City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. limits. Okay, City Limits back on air after all these weeks and... Uh, John McPherson, it's back to John McPherson Day first Friday, the first <laughs> us Wednesday of the month. Um, Meg Kimber over there, Meg. Hello. Welcome back. Thank I'm, you. I'm Kevin Healy with another year of City Limits. And uh, if anybody, by the way, says it's good to be back, then please, <laughs> please don't. I mean, <laughs> we, None we, of us said that, did we? This station is devoted to the truth. and we don't want to <laughs> hey, hey, folks, but Kevin, Kevin was <laughs> early this morning. Yeah. This, yes. the, I think Eager. he really is secretly and unnecessarily back. No, no. I, think I, I think I came in to read. Meg had already read, so it was unnecessary. <laughs> I unnecessarily came in. That's the awful part of it. But you had the tea ready and <laughs> Brewing, it so is it transport be, day, that's right. Yeah. Now I'll pour the tea while we're at it. No, I think Kevin's secretly glad to be but back, folks. I tra- brook no argument. Uh, no. Transport day, and um, here we are with John McPherson. John, we'll get onto lots of things about transport. We sure. are going to in the first half in about five or ten minutes or yep. so. That's a bit longer. We're going to play a um, a 12-minute grab from yesterday's launch oh, of good. the uh, Friends of the Earth transport policy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then I think we'll have a listen to that and yeah. then we'll... Uh, was it Parliament House, wasn't it? Yes, on and, the steps uh, of Parliament House. And, Did you uh, go, John, or uh, I should have gone. Yeah. <laughs> Meg liked to do a lot of things. <laughs> no. I, I gather no. they were pleased with about 100 people turning up for them. And the last time I was at good. Parliament was the um, Invasion Day march, which was absolutely wonderful last week. Um, and um, it's, I was saying to someone, it's almost, I think it's almost the, or the second time last year as well, that we've actually marched from Parliament back into the city. We, yeah. For over, over 50 years or something, we've marched toward Parliament. Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, we, we marched away. You from invaded it. the city from Parliament, that's fair enough. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and uh, Herald Sun gave the march, of course, the usual wonderful coverage. It, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 oh, was, it was a tragedy that it brought violence into, the, into a wonderful day for Australia, etc., 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 yeah. Oh. Um, in fact, I, I might have the coverage here. Look, in fact, yeah, their cover, it was a great march. Um, it was bigger than last year, and Meg, you went to one in Tassie where you said it was bigger than last year as well. Yeah, it's the uh, first time, well, it's the first time I've been to one in Hobart, and I just happened to be there this time on Australia Day, and it was really, um, really impressive. Great speakers. It was beautiful to hear people speaking in Palawakani, yeah. Indigenous language in Tasmania, mm-hmm. which is being re, um, like relearned and and reintegrated into the community there. So it was really sp- sp- pretty special. Yeah, yeah. 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 And there was a big big turnout for for a small population. Well, yeah. the big day here and uh, massive crowd. Should it be covered? They're saying that you know sixty thousand or more people turned out. To oppose and to support in the invasion or to support Invasion Day and against Australia Day and tell it as a news story. No, the Herald Sun 
protesters rage as citizens new and old, etc. Jeff Kennett, this is the opening, Jeff Kennett has slammed protesters who marred peaceful Australia Day celebrations in an ugly Invasion Day rally. The former Premier was among a host of prominent Victorians who criticised rally organisers, warning they were doing their cause no good. Everyone has got a right to a different view, except for the usual crap. So there you are, folks. Yes. They've done it again. I just thought one worth commenting on, though. I noticed that, well, during the break, um, Donald Trump went and had his health check. (laughs) And and the doctor said he's not demented. And I thought, I can't think of a better case for a second opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it mightn't be dementia, of course. It might just be normal, which is (laughs) in some ways worse. There are plenty of diseases you can put under that that general heading, aren't there? (laughs) They've surely got one of them. It's a bit like I haven't seen it this morning with the the sun's there. I haven't looked at it. But I I believe that the Murdoch media is making a big thing about... um, Barnaby Joyce's um, fathering a new child. Um, um, uh, It's also cliche-written, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. well, absolutely. But I thought, well, there's... He's shacked up with his former media advisor. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, there's there's two things here I would have thought. I mean, I thought... This is what's alleged. Well, I thought it's extraordinary that anyone would have an affair with Barnaby. (laughs) That was my first thought. Point one. And secondly, I thought there's got to be something in the Child Protection Act to to save this poor kid. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, that's just that. But, yes. There but, you go, folks. Yeah. But on a, on a serious note, and I do want to spend a bit of time on this this morning because I was so angered by this on Monday when I read it. Um, the, the Fair Work Ombudsman, and I think um, Annie's going to cover it in, in a future Stick Together, um, has... Um, and the headline, in fact, in the Financial Review Monday, Ombudsman targets CFMEU. And this goes to that strike, we, well, not a strike, the lockout we've talked about at the Oakey North Mine in Queensland, mm. where Glencore has actually locked out the workers. It's now up to 200 and something days. Mm. Mm. So they're not actually on strike. They're locked out. Yep. And yep. Been, um, there's been a picket, in, picket or a community, whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it up there, um, and they've actually called the people going to work scabs and things. I mean, how awful. That's, that's, that's yeah, terrible. terrible yeah. Yeah. Well, the fair, this, I mean, this is the group. They're locked out. They're not even on strike. And the Fair Work Ombudsman informed the leadership of the CFMEU Mining and Energy Division that it, this is on Feb 9, Jan 9, I'm sorry, that it had commented and uh, commenced an investigation into behaviour at the mine from May 1 last year with the aim of assessing whether the unions had breached workplace laws. The letter to the union arrived with a daunting broad notice to produce records and documents by Jan 31. The scope and deadline of the Fair Work Ombudsman demands was described in subsequent union correspondence as potentially oppressive and open to legal challenge. They told the union it was assessing whether two parts of the Fair Work Act have been or continue to be contravened. The sections in question cover workplace protections against adverse action, coercion, undue influence or pressure, coercion relating to industrial activities and other broad protections that relate to the conduct of industrial action. The nomenclature here is important. This is written by a bloke called Matthew Stevens. We've mentioned him before, who's totally pro-resource industry and totally anti-union. Well, it's in the Um, Financial Review. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The the move to formal (laughs) investigation delivers the FWO a range of coercive powers that made it legally challenging to resist its demands for evidence. Now, the things they're going for, the sweeping demands made of the union express a detailed interest in how the union officials, delegates or employees may have managed or directly contributed 
needed to peak ugliness on the picket. The FWO is apparently seeking to understand as well how the union has paid workers participating in the picket, how various levels of union authority helped organise and support the picket, and even how the subsequently exiled Scabby the Rat found, it way, found its way briefly to the front line. The court, of course, ruled that was illegal. Uh, to, to produce Scabby the Rat. The orders to produce... That's my bit. The orders to produce <laughs> aim to illuminate the nature of the demonstration. The FWO was asked for documents and video or audio recordings of the protests that include shouting and chanting, spray-painting the road, holding up signs, videotaping workers, displaying images of Scabby the Rat or RIP, blowing whistles and gesturing at workers and security staff. It's been asked to deliver any and all communications between the union overseers and the frontline demonstration. The orders run the gamut from old-fashioned notes to all the newfangled digital pathways. The FWO wants pretty much anything generated by union officials, delegates or employees that mentions the picket's progress, the industrial action that triggered the lockout and the protected action ballots that allowed that action, the enterprise bargaining that created and then failed to resolve the dispute and internal commentary on the lockout still maintained by Glencore. The orders to present evidence stretch from detailed diary entries and minutes of union meetings to email and messages sent by text, iMessage, Facebook, WhatsApp and other messaging applications. The FWO also wants any video surveillance or photographs of workers crossing the picket line and all records of CFMEU officials who travelled to the site through the six months and more of the standoff. The Ombudsman is seeking evidence of how the picket has been maintained with detailed requests on the delivery of food, electricity, tents, portable toilets and bollards to the fringes of the mine site. There are demands for information on the provision of signs and clothing, including invoices for the manufacture of the printed T-shirts worn by the picketers. The FWO even warns, or even wants the GPS records that vehicles owned or used by CFU officials involved in running or participating in the picket goes on. But then the, the writer here, he makes the point that they, are, they, they do terrible things. Um, um, for instance, um, the, the Fair Work Commission Deputy President noted, for example, that one union official had been recorded shouting the words effing scab and effing maggot to passing vehicles and raising the middle finger of his hand and on one occasion both middle fingers simultaneously, <laughs> that is giving the finger to persons she recorded the picket soundtrack featured we're not going to take it by twisted sister now there's a crime if everything was one um, I mean my god and that other picketers had been recorded shouting a range of offensive comments including grub, effing grub, scab, effing scab and you know the usual thing you get on picket lines uh, how do you sleep at night? Aren't you ashamed? Parasite, etc. And then Matthew uh, Stevens, this the journalist, makes the point. To be clear on all of this, it has been established that shouting pejoratives like scab at workers who choose not to strike is not just contemptible, it is illegal under workplace law. In the recent past, Rough. the word scab has resulted in legally sustainable dismissal of those shouting it in substantial compensation for those targeted by it and in fines being levied against the union that organised the uh, picket, etc. In 16, for example, the full court of the federal court upheld a decision that resulted in $215,000 worth of, pen of uh, penalties and compensation being paid by the Maritime Union after a 2011 incident that saw five workers who refused to take part in a union-ordered stoppage being labelled scabs. 
The MUA was fined 80 grand and one of its officials earned a separate 15 grand fine because the union was found to be responsible for organising the scab posters and signs, terrible thing, that triggered the legal action. And the union, this is the awful bit, the union was ordered to pay 120,000 compensation to the five who refused orders to stop work at Fremantle Port. Um, mm. you know, so it's now now you get fined if you call someone a scab. It's just ridiculous. I'd, I'd love to see them um, go to Glencore, the company, and um, and request documents and that detail from Glencore. Well, I think they've they've requested some, but I think it's mainly to get the union. Um, well, mm. yeah. I mean, um, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying that's extraordinary. It is. It, those well, those demands. What about, I mean, you know, what about Glencore's attendance at the Davos? Um, the Davos meeting in Switzerland. Well, that's, well that's, of course, they're a Swiss legal. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear all about their internal, the internal discussions that went 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 to. Um, oh, come went on, to John, that. John, come on. <laughs> oh dear, it's that is bizarre. That's commercial incompetence, John. That's, um, that's bizarre. This is, of course, why we, nobody in Australia is getting a raise in their wages. Mm. <laughs> the Fair Work well, Commission has got mm. got the screws on. Yes, I'm feeling a little bit confused about what the Fair Work Commission. Yeah, fair is. Well, <laughs> How fair it is. <laughs> what they're well, sort careful, of focusing on. Careful, careful. You might be in contempt. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Be in we'll get a, get a copy of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the Minerals Council, of which Glencore is a major part, of course, they've actually come out now you've heard what we just said yeah they've called for a revisal of of the rigid to overhaul the rigid industrial relations laws they say block management and innovation and are far too biased toward unions they say oh. they, they want the unions right. the light tight now same in the same period a headline came out last week wage growth slums to a record 25 year low mm-hmm. now imagine how low it'd go if the law wasn't so much in favour of unions. If the, if the mm, yeah, law was fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> so it'd, it'd, it'd be robots, you know, horizon to horizon. I think that this is what... This is, of course, the future, folks. Just thought mm. I needed to read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel well, better pretty, now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, got, I read it, got so angry, I rang Annie and said, you've got to do this on Stick Together. Get, it's uh, pretty... Yeah. It's pretty it's, yeah. that, that is incredible. That is really yeah. incredible. Yep. Anyway, uh, we'll do it. But now... I'll just read some headlines. I'm going to read a whole lot of headlines, and I want you to see, and it's difficult. Now, there's a difficult question here. There's a pattern, is there, Kevin? Uh, well, I think there's a pattern, but whether you pick it up or not, I want okay. you to tell me, okay? <laughs> okay. Now, uh, we mentioned last year how the, you know, the Fin Review is, is somewhat in favour of tax cuts for the rich. We've mm-hmm. noticed that, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Here's some headlines over the holidays. Let's just check this out. U.S. shows company tax cuts will boost pay packets, says Treasurer in Texas. Shorten can't ignore Trump's business tax shakeup. Mm. PM spruiks tax cuts as jobs figures rise. Mm. Australian firms gain six twenty million from US tax cut. Morrison piles pressure on Shorten to match tax cuts. <laughs> PM must now seize the year and guess what that's about? Tax cuts. Uh, now we must press on regardless with company. Tax, tax cuts. cuts. <laughs> I think you are picking it up. <laughs> tax cuts could ease mortgage burden. Um, miners plead for company tax, tax. cuts. <laughs> Headline, this must be the year of tax, tax reform. Oh. Oh. No, it's Something reform. a little bit different yes. there. Tax and energy blunders just scare away the money. That's written by Warren Mundine, who writes these most right-wing columns now, and he's arguing that we must have tax cuts for the rich as well. What what sector does he represent, Warren Mundine? I know, but anyway, he's he's certainly a sellout merchant. 2018 is the year of the... 
tax, tax cut. cut. That was that was a think piece by James Patterson, who's a Liberal senator or something. Oh, that, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Front page headline: Tax cut to create jobs. CEO. So the chief executive officers know that's the answer to cut great jobs. Successful Trump tax cuts exposed. I've got lots of them. Let's. Are you getting the wow. picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, right. yeah. They. I was listening to something about this. Uh, yesterday, they these the stock exchange in the US um, like in went up the day after uh-huh. Trump was yes. elected or mm-hmm. inaugurated. Yeah. So um, and that it has nothing to do with the real progress of like no. the economy in the US, no. um, which has been steadily rising since the the economic crisis that they had yep, there yep, yep. seven years ago. You could, you so could argue Obama. Ago. Obama got things yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it's been increasing all the time, like employment rates and things like that, that are indicators of how the economy is actually functioning. Mm-hmm. And then this whole stock exchange thing is, yeah, confidence in the market because – People who have the most to gain from their investments yeah, and from being yeah. heads of companies froth and bubble. Uh, exactly, they mm. they're like, oh great, we've got, um, yeah. we've, we've we're going to make more money. We've, we're not going to have the same kind of taxes. So the confidence in the market goes up. People start buying more things. It's not an yeah. indicator of how the economy is mm. actually functioning. No, so. no, no. And no. during that same period, and if you ever wanted to spruker for your for your position, Trump's your man. Oh, well, <laughs> He'll and, spruik, and spruik it's, underwater. It's yeah. dangerous for him to link the, his economic success to the market because the market goes up and down. Well, it went down like, yesterday. Yeah. And, he, and he went silent on that one. <laughs> yeah, hey, he didn't tweet really, anything no about that. No, he did yeah. no he tweets. Silent. <laughs> he didn't take credit for it going down. He went credit for it going up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there were two or three headlines, three of them, in fact, sneaked their way into the world pages. Um, without ignoring all the front page stuff and the editorials. Yeah. One was um, coming out of America, Trump's corporate tax cut is inflationary. Mm. Um, US, this is, this is only this week, in fact, yesterday, the day before, US about to sink one trillion more dollars more into debt. Now, that's because, of course, they're, they're getting less tax. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, another one um, from the Financial Times, which they reprinted, US tax cuts give unfair windfall to CEO pay. Oh. Now, but they got buried away. They didn't make the, uh, no, the big no, headlines. No, yeah. no well, that's, that's the problem. I mean, America's still got yeah, a huge deficit um, with the rest of the world, particularly places like China. Mm. <laughs> and yet, and yet um, the, the Republicans are still convinced that this weird business of t- you cut taxes will actually raise the amount of revenue that the, the government mm. will take in. Mm. It, they've tried it a number of times in the last 30 years. People like Reagan tried it and George mm. W. Bush tried it and it didn't work. Mm. But here we go again. Mm. <laughs> They're having another go at it. It'll work eventually. <coughs> I mean, it's just, you, just need, you just need more, more and more of it to, to work. Well, I think it might be back in a coach. <laughs> yeah. It's like a really long view. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Before Very we, long view. just before, we'll talk about this more next week on, or the week after on housing and that area and planning. But um, well, I think we should comment on the awful... Um, proposal to put an apple thing in Federation <gasps> Square. Yeah, I mean, crazy. How do you get away with that? That's that's more uh, city limits area, I suppose. But it's uh, yeah. uh, we'll talk. I mean, what can we say other than it has to be stopped? Surely. Well, it's. I can't believe it. I thought it was a joke. I saw it on Facebook and I thought, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Who would do that? And but I was like, oh, that's real. It's like yeah. governments now just do things. You know, I mean, large projects with absolutely no, no consideration, no consultation, no nothing. 
around it. This thing just appeared out of outer spaces yeah. and was plonked there by the, gov- the state government. Yeah. The city of Mel- Melbourne City Council had nothing to do with it. They, no. they don't get asked. And they, in fact, last night made some other move against it. Yeah, they um, said they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. They, no, want, they didn't. They weren't completely against they it being in City Square, but they, well, but they, yeah, but they thought. But it, I think I imagine their real problem was that it's not in the style, if you can call City Square, yeah. Melbourne Federation Square, a style. That's what they ask. That's what they're on about. But it should it should be stopped altogether. Well, I think wouldn't you argue that you would put it somewhere in the CBD that maybe needs a bit of stimulation? Yeah, because Fed Square doesn't. No. It's no. a community space and already. It's got, and it's, it's already really well hugely busy. resourced and yeah, yeah has yeah. a lot of people maybe there. Maybe if it needs stim- somewhere needs stimulation, maybe the steps of Parliament House would be <laughs> ideal. <laughs> oh, or outside the Stock Exchange. Uh, <laughs> but but, but seriously, that would be my thought, that you would use it as a, yeah. as a generator of activity. Yeah, in a play, in a part of the CBD that needs it, not not there, which certainly doesn't need it. Mm. Um, and um, you know, if Apple had any sense of civic um, responsibility, they'd be prepared to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, <laughs> I know I couldn't help laughing. They'd be quite happy to take that role on. You know? yeah. <laughs> One of the richest corporations in the world that pays mm. the least taxes of any corporation mm. in the world. One of the biggest tips I've heard for a long, long time. That's right. Yeah. Any sense of community. <laughs> okay. Look, let's go to our um, – this is a 12-minute grab from yesterday's launch and then John will talk about transport and we'll talk about the uh, faux launch and um, Good. the year of an election. Mm, I can give a little bit of context yep. about this as well. It's, it's um, taken from the launch by Friends of the Earth about the new community plan for transport and remember last year we had Rachel in from um, mm. Friends of the Earth yep. or talking about um, the Westgate Toll Road. And let's not forget Pu- Public Transport Users Association is also They're in, part of it as well. They're, all, they're also Great. part of it, yes. Um, so there were two reporters from Tuesday Breakfast who were talking to people at the rally. So here's a little bit of what they recorded. that comes with that. Right, so it's not, it doesn't sound like a sustainable solution at all. 
No, no, but it's a solution that's convenient politically. And I love that we have representatives from all over Melbourne. We've got uh, community people from the northern suburbs and the western suburbs uh, back um, up here in, in Parliament saying, no, no, this isn't going to happen. And I'm really, really excited about the next couple of um, weeks where we're really going to put it to the politicians. Yeah, and it's so, it's so good. This is such a good turnout, and hopefully this is an issue that will gain momentum in the coming months. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good sign that so many people are here at 8 a.m. in the morning, yeah. um, and we all made it here by public transport, so that's a good sign for Melbourne. Um, and I think our, just, our city deserves better. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get this done. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I'm here with Chloe, who's been one of the main speakers and organisers of this event today. Can you tell us a little bit about this issue and why it's important? Look, we are just experiencing this huge institutional failure in, in Melbourne. We've had government after government who don't look for real solutions to our transport problems. Instead, they just wait until the road lobby or until a big corporation like Transurban comes in with a plan and then they rubber stamp it. And it's, it's, just, it's just not working for the people in Melbourne. Um, we, like, all across the city, public transport is a mess. Um, it's really, really difficult to drive anywhere because the congestion issue is because it's just so congested everywhere. And if you live in the suburbs, it's actually nearly impossible to do anything except take a car because there are no public transport options. Um, and instead of creating a new 21st century transport plan for the city that takes into account the huge growth that we're expecting in Melbourne, they're just letting a corporation, Transurban, build the east-west, um, the Westgate Tunnel, for instance, which is this huge mega road project that's just going to cause more congestion and it's going to mean super profits for Transurban. They're going to extend the CityLink tolls for another 12 years. They already make nearly $700 million a year out of that toll road. It's one of the most lucrative toll roads in the world. And then they're going to build another toll road on top of that. Um, so it's a massive equity issue too because people who drive, who drive cars into the city are usually poorer people who live in the suburbs. Suddenly they have to pay a huge amount in parking, a huge amount in tolls. And they don't get where they need to be on time. So we decided that it's just absolutely time that everyone from Melbourne got together and created the transport plan that was going to work for us. If the government aren't going to do it, we will. If the government aren't going to do, give us a decent uh, community consultation process, we're going to do that as well. We're going to get out on the streets. We're going to talk to people about the solutions that we're offering, whether or not it works for them. We're going to figure out what the costs of all these kinds of things are going to be in comparison to the cost of these mega roads. And then we're going to push government to say, look, the decision is clear here. We've done the community consultation. This is what the community wants. We've talked to the academics. These are the solutions that are going to work. We need you to be funding these things. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like you're really taking control. And I really like the point you made about it being a class issue, that if not everyone can afford to pay for the toll roads, and particularly if they're coming from the outer suburbs. And also that, that idea of public services being privatised and how is that actually a sustainable way to approach these things? Absolutely. We're just letting Transurban cream all this money off taxpayers, off ordinary people. Uh, and for what? For a right, for, to sit in a traffic jam. It's just not a solution. Um, it's, it's, it's just a massive equity issue and it's really daylight robbery. Can you give us a brief rundown of some of the... Uh, in the in a launch, like some of the solutions that have been sort of? Mm. So one of the fantastic things in the plan is this project called the Melbourne Metro 2. At the moment, we're having the Melbourne Metro built, which is this new um, tunnel in the city that's going to bypass a whole heap of um, train traffic out of the city loop and mean that we can have a lot more services through the city loop. The Melbourne Metro 2 is a similar project, but instead of going from east to northwest, it goes from the west to Clifton Hill. And um, it could... 
it could mean up to 40,000 people coming from Altona and those outer western suburbs being able to jump on a tra train to get to the city and 40,000 people in a train is more or less 40,000 people off the roads, off those freeways and that means opening up a huge um, opening up space on the roads for the people who need them. We do understand that there are people who need to drive. Tradies need to drive. We need roads so that emergency services can get where they need to be quickly. So let's open up the roads for the people who need them and let's get the people um, who just need to get to work on a train ride that's a lot more sim simple, easy, cheaper and going to get where you need to be faster. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Cody. No worries. Thank you. So I'm here with Janet. Thanks for speaking with us today. Hello. So can we ask you, why are Well, transport's a really big thing for me. I, the streets now are getting very unpleasant to walk down any of the major streets. They, they sort of to stand on Hoddle Street or something is hideous nowadays with the noise and pollution and stuff. And so it's obvious that if we want to have a nice city that we can spend time in, we can get around in, in a human kind of way, we need to uh, improve public transport and take some of the cars away. Yep. It seems pretty simple when you look at it, when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is the rip-offs. I, I just wonder how many more noses we can get in the trough, really, because everybody in all the corporations are sort of lining up to get their handout from government. And it seems to be that when somebody gets into power, the first thing they have to do is pay off all those who they've promised things to while they were in opposition. And I'm really sick of that because we want our public money to go to our, for our benefit, not to into someone's pocket. That's right. And having public services be privatised, is it really in the interest of, of the community? Yes. And we even prop them up if, it, if they don't get enough profits. It's really annoying. You know, like we have these guarantees that that um, if you don't get to build the project, you'll get paid off anyway. And if you don't make enough on tolls, we'll extend your the time you can toll for, or you know, we'll bump it up. So, no, the whole direction we're coming from is really wrong. And are you are you hopeful seeing the turnout here today and the speakers to get a lot bigger? But then things do start slowly, so I'm hoping, yes. And more people find out about it. I think that a lot of people really are pretty annoyed about what's happening with transport. Um, they seem to make policy sailing around in the back of cars, you know, the politicians. And I, I think people feel, well, there are many ages in your life when it's, like children can't drive, you know, old, really old people can't drive, people with any disability can't drive. It kind of excludes a lot of people from getting about. Well, thank you so much for your time, Janet. That's all right. Thanks for talking to me. So I'm speaking with Rachel, who's from Friends of the Earth, Earth and who was one of the spokespeople today at the protest. How's it going, Rachel? Great. Thanks so much for coming down. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Can you talk us through what this event or what this protest and rally has been? So at the moment we've got the situation where we've got mega roads planned all across our city, right from the west up into the north, in the east, uh, and at the moment um, communities are saying, no, we don't want these projects. But what was really missing was, well, what do we want instead? And that's where the people, the community-powered transport plan is really... Um, started from so, so saying that we've got all these great ideas from transport you know experts and academics um the communities 
crying out for different solutions. Uh, so we've just put them all together, really. Um, so we've got a bit of a five-point plan to say we've got to start with building um, exciting new rail projects like the Melbourne Metro 2, which would connect um, the northeast of Melbourne down into the west um, and relieve a lot of um, pressure on our city train network. Um, we need to really see improvements to our bus, tram and light rail network so that we're feeding people into um, other modes of transport and when you're in the suburbs, you've got a choice. Uh, another really important part that kept coming up for us was that freight is a real issue. Having so many trucks on local streets and residential areas um, is a safety issue and causing a lot of pollution and um, isn't good for our health. So it's really about uh, finding better solutions to get our freight off roads and onto rail. Um, and then, of course, um, getting people on bikes, you know, definitely the sustainable kind of um, option that people think of. Yeah. Um, but this is saying that, yeah, every everyone should be entitled to um, have access to walking, cycling and green spaces in their local area. Um, and, yeah, then we kind of thought that we needed to underpin this all with a really strong um, central platform that all of this should be made here in Victoria, that, you know, these future buses and um, people who are running our trams and so on, that, yeah, we want to ensure that local Victorians are getting the jobs from um, the transformation of our transport system. That's fantastic and it seems like you're going further. You're not just saying there's an issue here, you're saying there's an issue and these are the other ways that you could go about it and sort of taking control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's long overdue, shown by the, you know, 100 odd people who rocked up here at 8am on a Tuesday morning. Um, over the summer, you know, the politicians have had a bit of a holiday, whereas we've been out there busily organising, gathering these ideas and putting it together in a plan. So now... Um, it's saying that 2018 is, you know, the year of transport and we're going to put it on the agenda and, um, yeah, invite all politicians to sign on and support um, the people-powered transport plan. That's awesome. And it sounds as well like it's evidence-based, like you really consulted the right people to make this plan. Yeah, I think, yeah, the answers are all there and academics are crying out for them to be realised. And so this is just putting the two together, saying, well, here are the ideas and here is the um, community will and power and put them together and you've got an unstoppable plan. I really hope, yeah, this just builds from here and the momentum gains. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming down and saying hello. <laughs> All right. Okay, that was uh, about a 12-minute grab from yesterday's launch of the foe and other people. I think it was a group of them involved, actually. Yes, in lots of them, yeah. them. John, um, covered a fair bit of ground there from um, three... Mm freeways or free tunnels being built by government, by <coughs> private companies coming to the government, government just listening to them, to um, to, to modal, inter modal interchanges, to um, bikes and walking, etc. Um, mm. Lots of stuff. John, comment. Comment. <laughs> John, go. <laughs> well, um, uh, I, think, I think there is a, the main, well, a, a thing to start with is this the way governments are not doing planning at the moment in any in any sane, rational way, that um, transport planning seems to be done on the back of an envelope, or as I was saying <laughs> in the in the in the piece um, in the back of the ministerial car, um, you know, travelling between the Melbourne Club and Parliament. Mm. Um, uh, it's the the, the, um, the prime example I think of that at the moment is the is the Westgate um, um, Road Tunnel. 
mm. proposal. The Western mm. distributor. The Western scored. distributor it used to be. Yeah. Now it's become something bigger and grander by a factor of about ten. <laughs> um, that that started off as a thought bubble between um, Tim Pallas and the um, Transurban before. Tim Pallas being the uh, treasurer, treasurer, but he yes. was a former roads minister who yeah, loves roads. He loves roads, yes. Mm. So he and Transurban clearly got together before the, the election of the current Labor government and um, and cooked up some some proposal which turned into the um, the Westgate Road Tunnel Distributor Project, whereas beforehand there was a, a much smaller, more focused um, proposal that would have provided a special bypass road for heavy trucks to take them off the Westgate Freeway and get them get them close to the port without going through residential streets. Suddenly, that that which was supposed to cost around five hundred million dollars turned into an alternative to the Westgate Bridge um, mm. that would double the amount of traffic that could be squirted at the city from the west mm. in peak hour, uh, which which is you know insane. Even if there are a lot of people travelling now from the west to work in the city, the last thing we should be doing is encouraging them to do it by car. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, and if the and if there are inadequacies in the rail system to cater for those people, which there are, that's the thing that should be improved. And the government's just announced um, two new towns there, or city, two new towns anyway, mm, there, mm. Um, in the Rockbank area, yeah, um, yeah. which are going to be developed by developers, and they're yeah, saying, yeah. and so you're putting more and more pressure all the time on the transport system, mm, the road mm, system, mm, mm-hmm. uh, and these are these are pretty isolated from public transport, most of these places. Well, they're, they're relatively close to the um, to the line to Melton, which then goes on to Ballarat, and that line is is going to be double tracked. Yeah. Uh, that's happening at the moment, and they're promising that they will then go on and electrify that. But but a lot of these things, it's good to see the double tracking, but um, until it's electrified, it won't have enough won't have much capacity because it'll be part of the regional network, not part of the metropolitan network. Mm. Uh, and so, as mm. usual, when, when do these things happen? You know, you, you get the promise, and it's just a promise floating there in midair, mm. mm. and, and it can be a decade or two before anything happens. And by then, everybody's got their travel patterns well and truly mm. fixed in, fixed in um, asphalt. They're, Behind they're the in wheel. The, mm. They're in their cars, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, so th- that's, that's, a, that's a good example of what, where we get planning so wrong. Um, <clears throat> and and it's it just leaves, you know, uh, particularly a Labor government, you're just left bewildered why a Labor government w- would take this approach. Mm-hmm. In opposition, they're all for public transport. Oh, yes, yes. Everybody should be on public transport who can be on public transport, but suddenly mm-hmm. move them into government. Suddenly it's all about choice. Oh, if people want to drive their car, we should give them a choice to drive their mm-hmm. car, you mm-hmm. know, which, which in... In terms of dealing with the peak out traffic in large cities, which Melbourne is in the process of becoming a large city, mm. four million people getting on for five mm. million, um, you cannot mm. you cannot continue that. And approach. in most of those places, the choice is driving a car or driving a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the, yeah. that's yeah. what the offer is at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, not much uh, of a choice. Yeah. No, and not much being done about it. Mm. Uh, you know, in terms of offering alternatives, mm. all they're being offered is. More road, which they'll pay a princely sum to use, and they'll still be t- stuck in congestion. We can guarantee that. I've heard that you know one of the things that 
that people <clears throat> say about trains. For example, in Tasmania, uh, a light rail has been in conversation. Mm-hmm. The possibility yeah. of light rail has been in conversation for a really long time from Hobart to the northern suburbs. Sure. And people say it's just too expensive. Mm. Um, one of the things that people say. And um, what... Is 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 that true? Do you think that it's you know is it more expensive than building a great big tunnel? You know, if some is it about the private investment factor? If some private investor wanted to invest in the rail, which is kind of the system that that happens here anyway, is that it's kind of like different mm-hmm. private mm-hmm. investors and then the government trying to all work together? Why would a rail be more expensive than a road? Yeah, know? well, it's well, it's not right, uh, but the um the way things are set up, we have tollway companies who can privately finance a road, mm-hmm. including the tunnels, mm. and um, and that means that governments see that as oh goody goody we can take we can take the cost of building that infrastructure off our books mm-hmm. and it'll be on somebody else's mm. tab. Therefore, we won't be, appear to have a bigger deficit because we're not directly paying for that tunnel. But yeah. by sleight of hand. All the users of the road yeah, will be paying for the it, tunnel. and their taxpayers. Exactly, <laughs> which is what I thought was the point of tax mm. to pay for infrastructure Precisely. for, for the I community. Keep laughing, people who say this make me laugh. <laughs> oh I guess I had the wrong idea. <laughs> it's, nice, it's nice to be reminded just occasionally that that, that is what it's supposed to be about. Used to be that. The idea of government yeah. is actually that you do things yeah. cooperatively for the, the public interest. For the pu- in the yeah. public interest, and, they, like and that's supposed to include everybody: the the poor as well as the rich, the, the car taxes. driving as well as the non-car. You driving. don't mean use taxes for things people actually need. <laughs> <laughs> good God, that's, that's, that's good. So that's yeah, so 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 things are um, what's the word um, canted over in uh, roads. Um, mm. Well, it's just a study recently, over. John. The yeah. the 2017 yearbook from the Bureau of Infrastructure, Transport and Regional Economics mm-hmm. shows the 16 toll roads in Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney are raking in about 2.7 billion annually, mm-hmm. more than the amount raised by vehicle stamp duty and license fees. Toll fees paid nationally will soon overtake the GST paid on cars. Wow. They're now big business, and of course that is partly why they stick in drivers' clause, etc. Mm. Um, and we know that you know Transurban keeps announcing record profits. But one of the most amazing things out of the story also is they talk about the fact that drivers get annoyed because if you get if they sue you because you went on wrongly or something or your thing just ran out or whatever sure, yeah. things happen. Um, you know, it's a state department, the state legal system then mm, sues in. you on behalf of a private company. Mm-hmm. But this is the astonishing bit um, in. Um, Transurban um, filed 505 statements of claim in Queensland against drivers. The average claim amount was $6,000 and more than 80% was for administration fees. Mm-hmm. So we just keep piling this these massive amounts mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, so if you can't can't get them for using the road. You get them for not paying their tolls and, <laughs> and, and loaded up. And big, big time, yeah. Sure, and the same thing happens... Happens here in Melbourne for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of facilitated private ownership, but it's been mm. facilitated by all the uh, the um, the government powers over there in the background, making sure mm. the Transurban gets all its gets all the revenue it should. Yeah. Mm. Um, another angle that I think is interesting is that when the uh, motorways or the tollways 
choke up in the pickout, which of course they do, mm. people are still being charged the same amount to use the the slow way to work that the mm. tollway has now become mm. because it's over overwhelmed with traffic. Mm. And surely there should be a reduction in the charge that people are, being, are paying mm. if the tollway isn't providing a good standard of um, mm. speed, which is what people, after all, are paying for mm. on the tollway. Mm. But that doesn't happen. Oh, no. It's, it, mm. the, there's such an entwi- entwining now of the tollways and the ordinary road system mm. that really half the time you don't know whether you're on a tollway or on a, yeah. just an ordinary road. Yeah. And who is supposed to be um, supervising that road is pretty unclear as well. So mm. it's, 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 um, I think this is the deliberate um, plan of the tollway company is to become so vital to the whole road network of, of the large cities in Australia mm. that, that, that they can maintain these cities as being car-dominated car forever, mm. ever more. Mm. And that, that is really their plan. They, they mm. do not want to see a future where the cities become less car-dominated and have more active transport and more mm. public transport. That that isn't the way they they want to see things well, happen. They've become all. the de facto transport planning authority, really. Well, close to yeah, close to yeah. Um, you yeah. know, with this program started because the committee for Melbourne mm. um, became uh, yeah, the, the, the corporate yeah. cowboys, including the, the not so limited Ron Walker. That's right. Um, yeah. Ran the um, you know, were running planning in the mm. state with mm. the governments, and we set mm. up a body mm. to at least counter it mm. to some degree without mm. without a lot of success. Mm. But uh, <laughs> we, but that's where this program started originally. Yeah. Well, well, it seems to me that we've got a city that the only place that public transport is deemed being important is is for getting office workers to the city. Everywhere mm. else, the view is that everybody should be able to drive their cars to work. You can't do that in the CBD; it just just gets too uh, too mm. congested. So let's provide, you know, bearable public transport to get people to the city to mm. work. Mm. Uh, but. Let's not take it beyond that. Let's not let's not try and make public transport, in all its forms, work really well. Mm. We're not interested in um, in, in, so in, but, in doing that. So, either. but as in so many cities, people see it as the first option rather than the mm. rather than that's the car. right. We, yeah. oh, we can't have that. So here it's here it's just the um, the option of second choice, mm. and um, and um, nobody should expect that that that. that Things will, will work extremely well. That frequencies will be really good. Mm. That things will in, connect or inter, interchange. Well, that brings us to another point they raised on that um, yeah. on that launch. Um, they they don't they use the term, but we talk. We've been talking about modal interchanges mm. for years, where mm. at stations etc. You have buses and trains all mm-hmm. coming in and leaving, so that people don't have to wait. Ages and ages, and in Melbourne, as Paul Mees used to point out, mm-hmm. mostly the bus left a minute before the train <laughs> arrived, yes. um, and the next one was half an hour later or something. Yeah, so. yeah they, they, they have great difficulty in getting that sort of thing to. to, are, we, to mesh. are we moving in that direction at all? They're trying. They're trying to, but but you see, we have different entities running running buses and trams and and trains, and. Um, Say the bus, say the sorry, say the train network will say, "Oh, we'll just move all these trains on this line a few minutes earlier because that'll make things easy for us." But there's no compulsion for them to consult Mm. with the buses that 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 they interchange with or the trams they interchange with. So you can come the day when the new timetable starts and everybody discovers that the bus that delivered them to the station for that train suddenly doesn't. 
They're, they're left waiting, as Kev says, for, for 15 or 20 minutes for the next train. Mm. Um, those sort of things happen all the time. And there seems to be no central coordinating authority who can say to any of these operating authorities, mm. you know, get your, get your act into, into gear. Mm. Um, it just doesn't, seem to be, just doesn't seem to be there. And Kev was talking about interchanges. Well, you know, we do interchanges extremely badly. Mm. Much of the time the bus is left, is left on the other side of the car park from the station. Mm. Uh, and, of course, if the bus comes into the station, it has to fight its way through the car park, mm. which, which can also be a, also can be a you know, nightmare. Um, things, like, things like buses get very little priority mm. in Melbourne. Mm. Um, mm. Intersection priority for trams and, and buses. There is some of it, but it seems to be spreading extremely slowly. Mm. There doesn't seem to be any will from the min- various ministers Mm. to tell Vic Roads, who mostly manages traffic lights, although the local councils do some of that as well, mm. to fix the fix the tram and, tra- and bus priority. Mm. It seems to be um, something that, that, that is planned to take decades, a, a bit like the disability access to uh, trams and buses. Mm. All that seems to be taking decades and decades. Mm. Well, out at Mickleham, um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, the developer of an estate out there, the Merrifield <coughs> Estate, is going to provide their own bus service because the government hasn't put public transport in. And uh, um, they said they'll they'll run it until the government provides one. Um, and, they, and again, they're running mm. it only in morning and afternoon peak, but yeah. 25-seater bus, yeah. um, getting people to Craigie to, um, yes, Craigie yeah, Bird Craig Station. Station. Yeah. Um, but again, you've got a situation now where even a developer's moving in to provide yeah, some public yeah. transport. Now, one would have thought, huh? one, there should be a developer loading so it's paid for by mm-hmm. the developer, but mm-hmm. the state should, should put the yeah, thing yeah. in. Well, you, you, you would think so, but, but the... Um, the authorities at PTV will just say, "Well, look, we just haven't got the budget to ex- expand the bus system. You know, you'll get a bus when we, when we have the money for it." Mm. And that's and that and, and we we have no idea what goes on inside government as far as lobbying for better budgets or anything like that. Mm. We don't know if, if these people, you know, really put a you know a strong case to the to Treasury, we have no idea what goes on with that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. Or do they just accept their little morsel of the of the money and say, oh, well, then we can't do any better because we haven't got any more money. Mm. Um, but we're so far behind the eight ball in, in even providing good quality bus services in the area that are so, so-called serviced yeah. by bus. Don't we know it even where I live? In, I mean, that's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, you ha- can have no confidence that you can go to a suburb you don't know and you'll find decent bus mm, services. You have mm. to, you have to spend your time checking very carefully on the various um, timetable yeah. sites to work out whether you yeah. whether you will be serviced or not. Well, the, the project director for this company putting it in his name's Planner of all things, which is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, Mr. Planner, he he urged other developers and even community groups to consider setting up their own public transport systems. Now, this comes back to the point Meg made mm. about what what a tax is for. Mm. I mean, for Christ's sake, mm. surely one of the responsibilities, prime responsibilities, is government is to provide public transport for people, and they shouldn't have to build their own. No, well, it, well, it should be on the same basis as um, you know sewers and water supply and things like that. Mm. Uh, it just should be done and done to a good standard. But very few places in the world do it to do it on that basis, really. 
Um, some mm. European countries manage it, like Switzerland and perhaps Germany, mm. and possibly Holland and a few, but but not not very many really manage to do it to a to a, a high standard everywhere. Mm. Um, but but um, Victoria seems to take. Um, a slightly um, less of a takes it slightly less seriously than say New South Wales, where where at least in Sydney they they are now taking public transport seriously because they they realise they have so much congestion that can't be relieved mm. by roads, even though they are they have an absolutely ridiculous, insane road building program underway as well. Mm. West oh. Connex. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. It's a, just on that, yeah. the West Connex, there's parts of it yep. going to be built mm. uh, to open in 2020 and 2023 and those sort of yep. you know, yep. down the track a bit. Yep. Uh, the government is, is seeking tenders and Transurban and others are, are, are moving in at mm. this stage. Uh, the government's building it, but they're going to, you know, flog it off to the private yeah, sector again. Yeah. Yet, the, and then one of the re- their arguments is it's going to make so much money. Now, if it is, why yeah. shouldn't they just keep yeah. the bloody thing? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, that aside, there's an there's an environment study going on into these ones that projected in the future. But mm-hmm. the government is letting contracts for them mm. while the environment study is taking place. Mm-hmm. And similarly, our government has said mm-hmm. the work is starting now on the um, mm-hmm. the Western Tunnel here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. even though it hasn't gone through Parliament and been officially That's right. approved. Uh, That's right. You know, it's the old story where <clears throat> public consultation becomes meaningless. Mm. 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 Well, it gets back to that. It gets back to, the, you know, in some ways the same issue as the Apple store at um, Fed Square. It's just been dumped dumped there as a government mm. project with absolutely no consultation or consideration or or mm. making it part of a long-term plan. I mean, these 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 road projects are just dumped and then they'll find out, well, they'll, they'll then discover if it's built that the congestion in the CBD then becomes intolerable mm. and there'll have to be some way worked out to to deal with that. I don't know what it would well, be. Well, the Liberals, of course, are saying what it's going to, what it means is you've got to build the east-west link, and they're pretty, pretty sure on that. <laughs> I mean, that's... But, so but that, every, but that, course, every road leads to the next one. Well, well that, of course, is silly because the traffic is heading for the CBD. Mm. You know, it's not happening. <laughs> Travelling to the eastern suburbs. Yeah. Don't raise tangents, John. <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they get in the way of the well, truth. <laughs> well, it's, it's this... And then that gets back to this thing where, well, OK, we, we want to improve the the way freight gets to the port. Okay, we can do some of that with rail, but of course we're not really interested in rail. We'll do that, but it's not really big time. And then we want big roads to get the freight to the port, but then the freight won't pay for the road. You then have to bring in all the peak hour commuting cars mm. to, to top up the revenue stream to pay for the thing. Mm. So it starts off as being a road to get freight to the port and turns in a, con- a commuter commuter road to the CBD. Mm. I mean, what could be more insane? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when for, for far less money than building that road, you could fix public transport or fix the rail system. Yeah. Where, do, where does everyone park when they drive into well, the exactly. CBD anyway? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We've got it now because the park, car park at Jewel Station has been closed for this bloody private development on uh, public land and oh, also yes. cyclists and pedestrians have now been diverted around the block to get to the station. Oh, it's no. A, 
It's, so uh, it's all very convenient. Oh, and all, <laughs> but the convenience of the, of the of the developer's profits, that's what it's convenient for. And you've still got your 20-minute train service even in Pico. Oh, that's right. Well, they, I was on the station the other day going somewhere, and they announced, must have been the day before, before Invasion Day, and um, they said that tomorrow, um, being a public holiday, we're running on holiday timetable, and I keep putting out, why, <laughs> do, why do they bother when we run on it every day of the year? <laughs> <laughs> Never changes. Um, anyway, that's that. Uh, John, I was going to raise, we've got so much to raise, but we're not going to get there um, but next month perhaps, but um, there's, there's stuff floating around. The government's in a real bind about trying to bring down um, the you know, the 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 sulphur content of our fuel. Oh, yes. Australia is rated 70th in terms of fuel quality, <laughs> mm-hmm. but of course the, the the oil companies are screaming and yelling saying they need more time, and the government's caught in the middle saying trying to saying maybe we should clean it up a bit, uh-huh. but the, they're, they're saying we don't need it till about you know the private companies are saying we we don't want it too soon. Yeah. And yet you've got other people saying they won't bring these cars into Australia because the quality of our fuel will destroy them, these really mm. high-quality oh. cars that are built for fuel that sure. is not so polluting. Sure, um, sure. But it's, it's an issue we may talk about next month in more detail. Yeah, well, it's, so. um, everybody forgets about the people exposed to the exhaust in their, uh, in their suburban street, of yeah. course. Mm. Well, yeah, well, yeah. When you're building massive toll roads and yeah, multi-lane well, highways. You've still got you know, plenty, of, plenty of dirty trucks. Uh. Roaring down the street because the trucks, the trucks um, in Australia, we've got the oldest fleet in the Western world of trucks, which means the dirtiest Mm. fleet of trucks in the Western world. And they're diesel, and they're the most carcinogenous. Yes, which the which the auto companies tried to pretend wasn't the case Mm. for a long time. We've discovered Mm. Um, even the German companies were particularly bad at that. All right, time's up. Mm. <sighs> okay. Next week is... Next week is um, energy, and we're going to have oh. Mark in next week to talk about why he's not coming in this year, <laughs> <laughs> among so, other things. <laughs> yes, send in your questions for Mark. <laughs> and I, I, met, uh, I met a friend at the Invasion Day rally who told me she lives down in East Gippsland, and, um, in Gippsland, and there's, a, there's a forest issue around where she lives, and we, we might even get onto that next week. And awesome. About it, so. Cool. I, I've got a phone number of a person to contact down there about it, so we'll see. Yeah. Great. Okay, that's it, John. Thanks a lot, and thank Meg thank for doing you. a great job pressing buttons and things. Cheers, Meg. Thanks for a great job. My pleasure. Yeah.